Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, members of an extremist environmentalist faction glue themselves to basement doors in the Capitol complex, Congress slaps down the anti-Israel boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaign, and the liberal hero of the Supreme Court rejects the policy proposals of a liberal dark money advocacy group. People getting arrested for stunt demonstrations at the U.S. Capitol and the surrounding office complex is nothing new. But this week's stunt demonstration was particularly amusing. Campaigners for Extinction Rebellion, an extremist environmentalist group demanding that world governments declare a climate emergency to presumably run roughshod over all other laws and property rights to do whatever it is environmentalists are demanding this week, glued themselves to doorways in the basement of a congressional office building. So, who are Extinction Rebellion anyway? The group, more a brand for a certain message and style of environmentalist protest, originated in Britain from members of the radical environmentalist group Earth First and remnants of the Occupy Wall Street, far-left demonstration movement. Extinction Rebellion in Britain waged an 11-day campaign of disorder against London in April, with demonstrators blocking traffic and gluing themselves to the official residence of the British Prime Minister. Similar demonstrations in France resulted in police clearing demonstrators and restoring public order. The group has made open threats against public safety. British Extinction Rebellion activists threatened to fly drones in the vicinity of London Heathrow Airport, which could potentially endanger the safety of commercial aircraft. Airport officials warned that drone flights, quote, could endanger the lives of the traveling public and our colleagues, and police warned that participants could face up to life imprisonment if they did it. Meanwhile, in the Capitol Complex basement, things were far less dramatic. A Washington Free Beacon reporter wrote that demonstrators did their gluing, the police came and unglued them, and the cops put 13 demonstrators under arrest, away from the cameras. He quoted an Extinction Rebellion demonstrator calling the event anticlimactic. CNN called it a divisive vote, but the roll call shows that few things in Washington are as uncontroversial as condemning the boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaign, better known by the acronym BDS, targeting Israel. The divisive vote on HRES 246, a non-binding resolution expressing opposition to BDS, promoting a two-state democratic peace between the Israelis and Palestinian Arabs, and promoting the long-standing partnership between Israel and the United States, was 398 in favor to 17 against. While some opponents asserted that the resolution somehow infringed on the right of people to carry out private boycotts, it did not. It was a non-binding vote expressing the sentiments of members of Congress, the vast majority of whom regardless of party, supported not breaking relations with one of the United States' staunchest allies. BDS has been around in some form or another since at least the early 2000s, with a key moment being the Non-Governmental Organization Forum at a 2001 UN conference in Durban, South Africa, that concluded that Israel was committing genocide and apartheid against Palestinians. The Durban Forum became a blueprint for the network aiming to demonize and isolate Israel internationally. 2005, Palestinian activists put out formal calls for breaking off economic ties with Israel and instituting sanctions on the country, and for ending all academic exchanges with Israel. As evidenced by the lopsided vote margin, American support for the anti-Israel campaign is very limited. Groups supporting BDS include the Democratic Socialists of America and Jewish Voice for Peace. The Rockefeller Brothers Fund is perhaps the most prominent funder of groups aligned with the BDS movement, having provided $140,000 in total support to JVP. The lopsided vote margin shows that despite the prominence of the radical left squad of Democratic representatives, one of whom, Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, actually voted with 397 of her colleagues in favor of the resolution against BDS and against the squad position, anti-Israel positions are not nearly as influential in American politics as some suggest that they are. 
And in our final item, it has not been the best week for Demand Justice, a project of the Dark Money Network surrounding left-wing philanthropic consultancy Arabella Advisors, as prominent liberals poured cold water over their plans to remake the U.S. court system. In addition to demanding that Democratic senators vote against all Republican-appointed judges at the appellate level, Demand Justice has expressed support for packing the Supreme Court, increasing the number of justices, presumably to ensure a liberal majority, and term-limiting federal judges, a proposal that flies in the face of constitutional language dictating that judges under Article 3 serve, quote, during good behavior, which has been interpreted since the founding of the Republic to mean for life, unless they're impeached. Needless to say, those positions are radical departures from established constitutional norms. An attempt by Franklin Roosevelt to add extra Supreme Court justices in the late 1930s was defeated by a Congress controlled by his own party, which saw the step as a reckless power grab by a runaway executive. And that brings us to this week, and liberals against radical changes to longstanding norms. First out of the gate was former Vice President Joe Biden, who told Iowans that he did not support term limits for the Supreme Court, for the understandable reason that it would require a constitutional amendment, one that would have no prospects of enactment. That earned him a rebuke from Demand Justice, which asserted on Twitter that, quote, many scholars disagree. But surely it was the second famous liberal to rebuke Demand Justice's radical policies that stung more fiercely. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the arch-liberal immortalized in progressive memes as the notorious RBG, advised against changing the number of Supreme Court justices or modifying life tenure. Writing court packing, Ginsburg told NPR, quote, Nine seems to be a good number. It's been that way for a long time. I think it was a bad idea when President Franklin Roosevelt tried to pack the court. She likewise condemned court packing schemes for making the court, quote, look partisan. Her comments to NPR likewise suggest that she is not one of the many scholars who disagree with the notion that term limits on the Supreme Court would require a totally politically implausible constitutional amendment. And that's our show for this week. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you have subscribed, thank you, and please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.